0: Welcome to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about everything virtual reality. I am your host, Chris Miranda, and today I am joined by Rene Friesen. Uh, can you please help me with your last name?
1: Of course, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, Rene Friesen, it's a Dutch
0: name. Awesome. And Rene, you are the founder of Social Tech, a... Uh, a a startup uh, company that is uh, about to get launched in the next three weeks. Tell me more about this uh, company that you're you're planning on, that you are founding.
1: Yes, definitely. So social tech uh, is founded out of the belief that I think that all the awesome technology that's being developed right now can and should be used for social good. And I have to explain social good because here in the Bay Area, everyone immediately thinks social, so social media. But no, with social, I mean social issues, so stuff like youth unemployment, recidivism, uh, aging, everything that sort of troubles people. And I think that technology can really, really be helpful for this. So what what social tech does is develop technology to conquer or tackle social issues.
0: Awesome. And so I met you at the San Francisco virtual reality meetup where, where you went up in front of the crowd and you and you were uh, looking for people who were working uh, in virtual reality that were also doing projects that were doing something along the lines of what you are uh, uh, set on, on, on being involved in. And so tell me about that. W- you know, what, what is attracting you to virtual reality and social good?
1: Yes, so I'm, I'm looking for people who are either already working on social good projects or just have awesome ideas because I really want to uh, enter this community of awesome developers because I think that virtual reality will have a huge impact on essentially, of course, gaming and online experiences, but I'm convinced we can use it for other stuff as well and I just want to pick your brains to help me understand how we can use this to help uh, improve the life of
0: other people. That sounds amazing. And so, and so, let's let let's figure out. Uh, let's say I am a, a a virtual reality developer. I am working on a uh, software that is helping uh, kids tr- uh, drive better. Uh, or, or yes, good um, example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. And so you know what what can you uh, offer me as as a developer cuz that's obviously the first thing that they're going to ask you
1: of course yes yeah. so i'm specifically focused now on the dutch market which is a small market but i'm uh, going to uh, extend this to the european market and i think that a lot of social issues are somehow related to language so if you have an anxiety or if even the driving better is you know if you need to know how to drive better you need to drive better on your own streets. Mm-hmm. So these projects that are being developed, what I'm good at is really understanding how we can bring this to the Dutch or the European market. So that that's something I can very concretely bring. Um, but I'm also interested just, you know, to brainstorm together what we can build from scratch together because we also develop our own technology.
0: Very cool. And so. That's really cool. What is what is your what is your what is your background before being involved in virtual reality? What 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 has brought you here? So, my background
1: has always been in these social issues. So, I started back home when I was uh, in Amsterdam. I started a platform for young professionals who somehow wanted to use their talents to help the lives of others. So, what I did, I organized meetings to connect them to non profits or social enterprises that could use some serious help. So, that's something I'm involved with, and I'm trained as an academic and researcher. Um, I worked at a research institute, I'm currently finishing my PhD, um, but I've worked a lot in the public sector, so I sort of know my way around in governments, nonprofits, profits um, people who build companies from scratch to help other people, so I sort of speak their language, but I'm also very involved in the tech world, so I also sort of speak the tech language, I see myself as a connector between these two worlds.
0: Very cool. How difficult is it for, for people who are doing social good, apps, software, uh, what have you, to, to, to be able to, mon- well, not monetize, but thrive in, in the current uh, economy and, and as the way things are?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question because that, that is, of course, a challenge because uh, it's only interesting to be invested in if you can seriously scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's happening, at least in Europe and also in the United States, is that we see a sort of uh, mix between what citizens are doing what the government is doing and what the market is doing and i can make that very specific because it means that all these nonprofits that used to be funded and just get money to work are now being invested in so we are sort of bringing the market thinking to the social good world and what is super exciting about this is that if you are developing you know a social good app or another project Uh, people won't look at you as something like, oh, it's so good, you're helping the poor people, let's give you some money. You think, hey, how can we make this into a business case? So
0: that's also very much my specialty because I helped
1: founding a non-profit last year who is focusing on the uh, the finance part of these companies. Mm -hmm. And what we do, so we connect the market to the government, to the social entrepreneur and see how we can scale their impact and to really, you know, make it into a profitable business.
0: Very cool how do you respond uh, how do you how do you respond to people who will say uh, you know you don't need technology to 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 do social good you just do social good you know
1: I, <laughs> I say you're partially right so technology is not the holy grail. and mm-hmm. um, however it's really especially if you live in the Bay Area but we all know that's sort of a, a little bubble where we are a little bit of head, ahead of everything else but it's super, super clear that technology is changing the world and it's going to change our world even more. Um, it's very, for me, it's also very interesting how popular culture responds to this. So, you know, the movie Her, how big this was and how people responded to it. Although for tech people, it's like, no, mm, it's not going to be this way. Or, But it means that people are changing their mindsets and accepting that, hey, okay, let's, that, you know, let's sit back for a minute and realize how big this influence is going to be. So it's not even a choice, should we use tech for social good? It's even the question, how can we use tech as good as possible for social good? That's totally
0: my conviction. I totally agree. Uh, I, and so what ways do you see yourself, you know, in, in like in five years, for example, uh, and this is, you know, one of these crazy questions, where, where, where would you like to see yourself uh, doing? to see
1: myself um, still running social tech of course and having it a, a grown to a, a large company that's not only making profit but it also enables um, young developers and young people who want to be involved in social good to be invested in so i'm doing this to grow and i'm a social enterprise to make profit in order to invest in this sort of infrastructure of people who will bring changing the world together with using technology because i'm I don't know what about you, but all my friends who have done all these very expensive educations and if they work at a sort of consultancy firm, they always say, I like it, but what if, what if I could use all this talent and knowledge to also improve the world? So I, I think we need to bring these worlds together as soon as possible
0: you know i it's not a uh, it's not a myth to say that that the tech industry is is more or less a sausage fest and and you know and, and so i i think that what you're doing by making vr you know making technology your own and using it for social good i, I think it has uh, it has mass appeal how do you know but in terms of you know the gender gap how do we bring more women into virtual reality
1: that's a very awesome question and i i I just recently learned the term sausage fest which i think is awesome (laughs) i'm trying to you know sort of integrate it into the dutch language see if we can have it there (laughs) so that's funny but no i i you know what i really like about being here because that's also another chapter of my life that i'm currently traveling the world to really study all these ecosystems where tech is being developed evolved so i've been in berlin a little bit in new york now here in san francisco i'm going to shanghai bali singapore so to really understand what are people thinking about and what are they making um But what i really like here in the bay area is that this gender gap is being really really addressed so believe it or not but i volunteered at this conference two weeks ago there was lesbians who tag and then between brackets and people who love them um so there was a an audience of a thousand women who were all developers or somehow related to to technology and they were really focused on this issue how can we bring more women in this field and it's, it's a tricky question, because you have, for instance, black girls who code or chicks who code, or you have many meetup groups here or other groups that are, you know, to strengthen and empower women. But I strongly believe because back home, I'm, I'm pretty much involved in this whole gender movement, that it should be an inclusive dialogue. So we can have all these women communities. And I think it's good to feel empowered. Yeah. However, I think we need to step beyond this. So we need to create an environment where men and women talk about this issue. That's why
0: I really like that you asked me this question. Um, because we together
1: should talk about this. And it's maybe a very easy answer. But of course, it, it has a lot to do with education. Mm-hmm. But it also has a lot to do with the world you grew, grew up in. So if as a, as a girl, you grew up in an environment where it's totally fine, you know, to explore tech and build stuff, um, then you have more chances that you feel free to choose this
0: career path. And there is a very cool company called Goldie Blocks. It was I think it was on a Super Bowl ad, so that's why probably a lot of oh, people Oh yeah, I saw that commercial. Yeah. That was that was fun. funny. Yeah. You know
1: it's it's I think we need very practical and also a little bit funny stuff like this to show girls and women and men, let's not forget them, men, that there is not not such a thing as a gender profession, you know, there's only a cultural belief about how gender should be. So I I think that we should just start, if all the techies have kids, you know, Mm -hmm. raise them as whatever they want to be. At our meetup, one of the guys brought his daughter. She had a blast. She fit in perfectly. Everyone adored her. I, I, I felt like, okay, cool. She could be the next, you know, founder of an amazing, cool
0: startup. Definitely. In terms, so, so that, you know, it, that is an, an, is something that I do think about. How how can we bring more women into, into virtual reality? Because I think, you know, this, this, this technology is going to touch the lives of many people and, 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 and across all genders. In fact, uh, is it? I think it's 40% of all, or 45% of all gamers are are women, and and, and I don't think they are. Uh, you know, sure there are really strong lead roles in video games, like um, Ellie from The Last of Us and, and uh, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. But 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 there, I don't think. Uh, you know, I, I still think that it's a very male dominate dominated industry, and I you
1: know. Of course, it's really sad. <laughs> Women are usually used as a sort of support character for the men. If, even if she's a leading character, it, it's, it's designed to be either, you know, be sexually attractive or to fulfill very, very stereotype gender roles.
0: What about, so in terms of the question of sex appeal, um, how does that, how does that get, you know, how, did, how does that get addressed in, in a way that it makes it sexy for both genders? to play video games not just just not just for men to to but you know how do, how does that you know can can we make sexy games for for women that are you know not d- demeaning mm-hmm. is well, that it's, possible
1: It's a good and it's a hard question because it it already there's already then an idea that there is a difference between how men and women Uh, experience games so Mm. that I would need something very differently from you and I think it's partially true and I think it's partially not true but I read this I'm looking it up now but I cannot find it but there was a review on a new game that came out where you play you are a 16 year old girl I forgot the name that's really really startled me but she needs to you know get out in the world whatever all the video games do but this girl the, uh, who wrote the review, she's been an experienced gamer and she said, when I, when I finished the game, I cried and I never done that before. Mm-hmm. And I cried because I sort of lost my first female game character friend that I felt so close to. And why? Because she was also killing all the bad people, but she also had a female friend And she also cried when stuff went wrong. So it was a really round character. It was not a stereotype either. I'm Lara and I have big boobs, but I'm very cool, blah, blah, blah. But it was everything. So I think you make it appealing to make it more uh, diverse and less stereotyped. That's very abstract, but I, I really think that's the way to go to not sort of be tempted to either use the female stuff, like so she's very sensitive or whatever. No, just make a very cool, awesome person. Yeah. Whether being
0: at a boy or a girl. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I think uh, it didn't. I think they asked. Uh, I remember seeing a quote somewhere. The uh, the writer for Game of Thrones. Uh, okay. I I, his name escapes me. Sorry, uh, internet blasphemy. But uh, <laughs> he said something about how uh, someone someone was interviewing him and and they were like. How do you how do you come up with all these strong female roles? And he said something like, uh, well, they're they're just strong roles. He doesn't it's not really about female, male strong roles, it's it's just a strong person. And and yeah, I it was awesome. I saw
1: this talk to by the guy who made Avatar. Oh yeah. And he he had this he had this actually the same sort of sketch where he addressed this question every time. So so uh, how do you come up with all the strong female roles? And he just gave 20 answers. Like, because my mother and my grandmother were very strong women. Mm-hmm. Or, and he ended with, this is such a stupid question, please never ever ask me that. <laughs> because, you know, women are strong. Of yeah. course, it's not hard to make strong female characters.
0: Definitely. So, virtual reality and, and, and going back to social good, you know, yes. what are different... Uh, you know th- things that you know you 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 sent me a message and i saw uh, recidivism uh w- was that in the context context of of people going to prison and and lowering the recidivism rate do you have any ideas in terms of so my question is do you have any ideas already buzzing in your head in terms of what virtual reality uh can do for social good
1: yes tons. i think they're already happening very cool so i you know there is a a lot of there are a lot of people out there who are already using this. I think VR is being, especially in the scientific environment, mainly used to improve the life of others. But these are very complicated health issues or traumatic issues or people with autism. That's that's you know one of the talks we saw at our VR meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you make it a little bit more simpler and if you really use the game environments that are being created, I think even as a training environment. To reintegrate people into society, for instance, homeless people, mm-hmm. if you can make them experience what it's like to actually live in a house again. One of the hardest things to convince people to not be homeless is because they don't want to live in a house somehow. Because mm-hmm. they feel in a box, they feel enclosed, you know. And and usually if, if they start living in a house, their life improves. That's also a consequence. Mm-hmm. So how can you sort of make them used to this environment virtual reality perfect solution recidivism too what if you're in jail and you know you're going to be released in a month or two months and you've been in there for 10 years or even shorter how is real life going to be like for you what what, how can you get used to you know going to a job waking up early that kind of stuff young parents who are doing not such a good job in parenting how can you create an environment to teach them how to raise their kid without harming the kid already. Like, there are so many um, very basic ways to integrate it, let alone for the very complicated traumatic experiences or burning victims' experiences.
0: You know, that's such a, a enlightening, uh, eye-opening uh, thing you said about, about sort of 'Cause here's here's the thing. The other day I was uh at Servios trying out the zombies on the holodeck and I remember telling these guys and I was shooting zombies up and down and you know, <sighs> cutting them down with an axe. Um uh, and, and, and I remember telling these guys, You guys are this is a simulation training for when the zombie apocalypse happens, and what you're doing is you're training me to to you know you're training me for the zombie apocalypse and i you know when it, 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 it but it doesn't have to go that far because we can train people for real life which is what you're saying I think that is just as uh positive and valuable as you know preparing for the zombie apocalypse it, it, and so like job training for example or uh uh, man that's that's a really good idea just
1: just just only training but what if you know if you can make a virtual classroom and people can you know really interact with the avatars together and you can have a, a very diverse classroom that also you know it it doesn't only open up education possibilities but it also opens up you know um interacting with other cultures and other people and different languages there's so many benefits if you can sort of bring people together in a way that they physically experience it because that's that's the thing i you know my first vr experience was was very recent and i was amazed by the influence on, on my physical experience i it's it's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't tried it and i of course all your listeners are pro so i don't have <laughs> to tell them this But still, I think it's good for me to have this, to keep this memory fresh of how it is to really interact in this environment. Because it can make such a huge difference on people. Because the people I'm aimed at are not the average, oh, I'll just spend 300 bucks on a VR kit, people. You know, it's going to be a really big exception for them to to use this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And so... In terms of bringing virtual reality to 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 low income people um you know what sorts of ways what sorts of ideas do you think you know could be could be useful in in an implementation
1: yeah that's that's a hard question because it, it it's always it, it comes across as a luxury good as well mm-hmm. you know if you start talking about these people either are already like what are you out there? Virtual reality is so far away, mm-hmm. and um, also like, oh, it's going to be a cost, costing a, a tons of money. But I just you know I named the price three hundred bucks, and then again that's even not so much. Yeah. If you know how much is spent to people who are ineffective, ineffectively helped, then three hundred bucks is really, really not a lot. So to bring it to low-income people, I'm not sure exactly how to do this, but if you know that. Technology is getting cheaper and cheaper every year. I I think it's gonna be a matter of time where we either you know accept that it's within your uh, insurance package or that you can sort of get a discount if you're low income. And it, I think that's that's the difference between the Netherlands or perhaps Europe and the US, how that's you know being handled by the government. But I was already discussing this with people back home, and they say, oh well, we have this budget you know per family. And three hundred bucks is not even so much to take it in,
0: so we could definitely discuss this. That be yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, because what do you think? I mean, you know, I love the fact that you are working uh, with virtual reality and social go doing positive things. But because of you know, in my opinion, there's humanity has this duality to it. You know, for every really really good thing out there, there is something just it's, it's just extremely bad. Uh, do you spend a lot of time thinking about you know what? could go wrong, what could be used for, for, for bad things in virtual reality, or is, are you focused on your... Uh...
1: <laughs> no, that, that's, I think, that's the the one thing that shocked me the most being here in the Bay Area, how little ethical discussion there is about the role of technology. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking this a little bit more broad than just VR, mm-hmm. but technology in general, it's... Um, of course, it's really, really not so hard to see the counterpart of everything. A lot of a lot of friends of mine are reading now um, The Circle from Dave Eggers, and although some people say it's not the best prose I've ever read, it's eerie how he sketches this future of, of technology where actually this sort of optimism about technology really turns bad. I haven't read the book yet, so I still need to read it, mm. but... Um, it is of course very much linked to the privacy uh uh question, and I'm not sure how this relates to virtual reality. Um, uh, but what, what what would be something you think that could go bad in VR specifically?
0: For me, I think it could be used to uh, grab a Guantanamo Bay detainee and 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 you know strap his hands down and put a VR helmet on his face. And make them go through uh, mind torturing experiences, uh, okay. or you know that I mean that is the extreme. Uh, yeah. But also for people in general, I think they it, it could go wrong by, you know, VR could either enhance the way we look at reality, or it can detract and distract us from reality, from seeing the truth of, of life. Um, yeah. And and so you know that you know from. I, I you know in a sense I'm I'm worried that it could dumb us down. Uh that's why I'm I'm a big proponent for virtual reality journalism so that you know you can see the world through the eyes of, of of people who don't have the lawyers and lobbies to get your attention. Um Yes. So but 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 yeah, and 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 also addiction. I think I think people it's such a strong medium. It's such a strong, you know, it feels like because when you're in there it just it just feels like you're somewhere else your brain i can't i don't think your brain can really distinguish what's hap- you know what's real what isn't anymore and so for that matter no. i think addiction can be uh, a thing that will have to be addressed and we'll have to have conversations on uh, as as the technology progresses but, yeah and i think the problem
1: now is that people who see these you know uh, counterparts their answer usually is we should, we should not have technology or they're they sort of they're really opposed to the, the development of technology other than just accepting that it's already there and it's going to grow yep. and to see how can we then sort of ensure that it's not being used. Because I think although your first answer to the question is extreme, of course, but that's not so hard to imagine. Yeah. Of course you can create awful worlds, you know, it, 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 it's going to be like a clockwork orange, but then with VR. Imagine that's that's horrible. That's it's awful. And to say I was testing the the Tuscany demo that's on the VR. Mm -hmm. And when I when I walked up the stairs, I got really nauseous. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, enhancing this and completely fucking up your whole excuse me for the language, um, bodily experience experience. The question is, however, this is a question of power. Yeah, who is gonna, you know, own the VR and, and use it. And I think one way to
0: ensure that this is always something that is in the back of people's minds is to have this discussion. I agree. Yeah, I think I think yeah, the most important thing that we could have is have a uh, free flow of information uh, and and conversations about what, you know, what is it that as a society we we accept and what what isn't what is and what isn't acceptable. I think uh, that's very 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 insightful. What about uh, adult content in virtual reality what's your what's your take on adult content
1: <laughs> um, well if I if I use it for uh, something that's that's probably the uh, the, diff- the most difficult question is uh, because VR is already being experienced for people who are pedophiles and that's, of course, a really big ethical question. Can you do this? Can you, can you create a world where, where adults can even have sex with children?
0: You mean the uh, internet is, is being used or VR is being used as we speak to...
1: No, no. I don't think VR is being used, but I think that in... Oh, maybe it is. I don't even know. But there was this... Uh, oh, it's really bad that I forgot. But there was this NGO that created a little uh, a little girl... Oh, I saw there.
0: that. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so she was used to catch predators, you yeah. know, so that's, that's using VR in terms of, of law and punishment. But what about creating sort of therapy environments where pedophiles can, you know, uh, learn to deal with their uh, mental issues around this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I don't have the answer, but I, I definitely think that's going to be a very interesting perspective. But then it means that you really separate reality from uh, the VR world saying that in the VR world everything can happen and in reality uh, we have a lot of constraints. So I, I'm very interested in how if, if we got, if you're going to have laws in virtual reality, if we are going to have stuff you cannot do there, if you can be a criminal in, in virtual reality. But okay, that aside, adult content. Um, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. I... I, I, you know, it, it 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 at least it means that no women or men are harmed or being forced to do this because it's all generated. So yeah. in that sense, I think it's it's a good
0: development. Yeah, I think I think it's uh especially what is it? There's 60 million men in China that will never find a wife. I, I think they could use. I think I could. They could use some some help, some release, some uh, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, only, the only question. The, the difficult question is. Then you,
1: you give them a specific w- women Im- image. Mm, true. And, and what does it mean for their, uh, you know, interaction with women in real life? Because if you can have it designed all the way you want, well, chances are pretty big it's not going to be a very emancipated female image. Yeah. So what does that mean?
0: Yeah. That's a toughie. <laughs> Go, yeah. That is a that is a toughie. What w- w- going back to what you said, I like what you said earlier about how uh, using virtual reality to to one day uh, help treat people with pedo- pedophilia issues. Uh, you know, you tr- I, I like how you turned it around. Yes, it could be used, you know, for perverts that want to, you know, uh, do evil things to children, but it can also be used to help them rewire their brain somehow uh, with therapy and, and help. Um, so I like that you, that, you, that you can see how this can be used for either or, really. That's awesome. Um,
1: yeah, definitely, because it's really, it, the thing with, you know, what's behind this is how you approach these people and in this I, I think this is an interesting subject because it's the hardest subject for everyone in the world if yeah. it comes to children people are even the most open-minded people become very rigid you know it's sort of a border you don't cross you don't touch children and that's completely logical that i you know everyone with children i don't even have them but i yeah it's you know it's clear there's no discussion for sure however if you go into this theme and field and people who do like to have sex with children these are usually people that have problems and issues, and you know, how should we treat them as criminals or should we try to sort of improve their lives and their with the lives of others? I, you know, I would always prefer the last one, and I think
0: VR could be, you know, an amazing opportunity for this. Yeah, as soon as yeah, as soon as they cross the line, whether they they, they actually did something wrong in real life, I mean, that is that's no well, in my question, there's no question, but 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 oh. I feel like yeah, if they seek the help before the act, I think you know, so yeah, we shouldn't, if someone needs help, someone asks for help, I think they, they, we should figure out ways to, to help them.
1: Yeah, and what I, what, what my problems are with the predator story is that, um, you're really crossing this gray area where you sort of already punished someone before they did something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in this whole age of where the terrorism, um, uh, lawmaking also in the Netherlands has had a huge effect on sort of preliminary actions. This is VR can also turn very dark because you can sort of, you know, make people do stuff in VR and punish them in real life. And that's, I don't, I'm not sure if we want to go this way.
0: Yeah, in terms of VR and crime, uh, you know, what is. I wonder how you know. And I asked uh, Eric Greenbaum, one of the, uh, uh, an attorney earlier, about you know, will we have an actual thing where in the in the real world we will have laws that will, you know, all of a sudden we will have VR criminals, and and what is VR crime going to look like? Uh, that is, and and I think perhaps, perhaps, yeah, you are you are uh, walking the, a, a gray area in terms of that, you know, you have, I mean. You know, because uh, you know the whole hentai uh, phenomenon from from Japan, right? You know, it's it's basically you know they 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 man, and I and I, I am so out of my water here. <laughs> I am in, so, I am I am in a very uncomfortable uh, zone. But this is what we're here for. This is why why we do this because we're, we we ha- yeah. we have to have these conversations. But you know, in terms of, I mean, what is you know why why sh- you know why should it matter if I'm having vr sex with a hentai underage i mean is that would that be considered a crime i and and in my mind i'm like it's creepy as fuck but you know Mm -hmm. who am i to tell you if you're doing it by yourself with your little flashlight in your apartment late at night i mean that's weird but i don't know i know
1: but the question is what's what is the step to You know, fantasies, Mm -hmm. can you be punished, you know, if we develop software that that somehow enables us to visualize our thoughts, can we be punished for this? You know, I would be in jail by then, you know, everyone would be, because it's really hard to to make a distinction then between your actions and your thoughts, and is VR an action or is it a thought? And I think that's a great area because it's not only an action or a thought because it's being developed by people. We create this environment. We interact in this environment. We, so, I don't know. I I'm sorry, because I don't have the answer either. But it's it, it it's a discussion we should keep having.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll work it out. We'll, we'll okay. We'll, some some <laughs> sometime in the future. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. Thank God for freedom of speech. Uh. Yeah, yes. I think you that... know, I really
1: like what you did. you said about VR journalism because I was just imagining the other day that what if we had, you know, I know the uh, you know the cameras are that are being developed now for VR, so the three D cameras that you can, you know, have real life content in your VR. Mm-hmm. Um what if you have that right now in Ukraine? Um, and in Kiev and what's happening there, it would mean that in 50 years we could go back live to what's happening there. You could walk on the square, you could walk through the protest. How insane is that, that we can sort of have a a real-life version of history? That's, you know, that sort of possibilities are mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, that's world-changing. (laughs) Like, that would – yeah, that would change the world because all of a sudden we wouldn't – you know, governments and politicians wouldn't be – wouldn't have the ability to spin the truth. You know, Uh, they'll be like – Putin will say there's no Russian soldiers in Crimea and then we'll patch into VR and we'll be like, dude, what the fuck? There are (laughs) –
1: as well because this has always been the promise of also photography and film and now vr that mm-hmm. finally finally we'll have a, a one-way access to the truth but even with vr it's always a perspective you put on and it's always a context you're coming from in w- with which you look to the future so or the, or the history or whatever True. so we need to be careful to think we have direct access to the truth mm-hmm. however it's it's even in terms of experience, it's gonna it's gonna change so much. You know, imagine going from oral history to textbooks to photos to film to VR. That's that's crazy.
0: And then and then the next step after VR is gonna be telepathic, you know, yes. communication. Yeah. <laughs> that I can't that that I cannot wait for. But then but then it's gonna be weird because I don't want everybody to you know hear the thoughts inside my head. I have some no. weird weird thoughts, man. <laughs> I last night I had a weird dream about uh about I was in a foot race and in this foot race I was in Nicaragua it's, the foot race started in Nicaragua and then next you know it I was running like Sonic in a Sonic uh, the the hedgehog kind of world followed by <laughs> Taipei it was a it was a VR world uh foot, you know foot race and and I at the end I lost it sucked I I lose in my own dreams it's okay <laughs> But that's in terms of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in terms of dream VR and dream sharing, like I think you know that's another tangent that I think about. Like you know, one day we'll, we will be able to map out the dreams inside of our heads, and we will uh-huh. be able to show you know I'll be, I'll be able to go up to you and Renee, hey, check out the dream I had last night. You'll be like, no, stay yeah, away I, from I, me. I
1: just to say, like, no, Krishna, no, thanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. However, what if, what if you can program your dreams? Ooh. You know, you you're you plugging into VR somehow while you're asleep, and the dreams are projected for you. Wow. Now, okay, now we're entering the...
0: This, well, this is what we're here for. We're here to enter the rabbit hole, right? Every, yeah. every conversation I have, I always enter the rabbit hole. So don't, don't be scared to embrace the crazy, because but I think... The thing
1: is, what I like about this, it means that the VR really plugs into your creativity. It Enables you to envision stuff that's way out there, but you know, let's start trying to make it. That's that's really cool about it. And I, I want to plug in this creativity, especially to help the lives of others.
0: Yeah, I know. I think you're that's that that hits the point right there because I uh I, I walked away from college with a political science degree and and I had all of a sudden this knowledge of, of you know more or less. You know, I had dipped my toes in, in the in the halls of power, uh, specifically here in San Francisco, and I had and I and you know after after a few months of an internship and, and learning about this, uh, how this political game works, it, it, I walked away depressed. It was it was sad because because uh, I had come to the realization that politicians are just puppets of people with money and. You know, sure, there's you know there's the good guys here and there. You know you got your Elizabeth Warren here and your Bar- Barney Frank and even Ron Paul to some extent sometimes, but uh, but they're the exception to the rule. The rest of them are just shit bags, and so. <laughs> and so uh, uh, that's why you know i am so energized by by this by technology by this thing called the future because history has been written yet and here we have right now around us this this moment that we can capture and we can we we can make the world we can make the world better, really. You know, just because people you know give up on, on on the world like it's gonna end or you know we're not gonna solve the problems of the world, it's because you you you've let go of your imagination, buddy. I'm not I'm not. I I know if you ask me right now, I can tell you how I can solve climate change. I just need a billion dollars and yeah, that's all I need uh-huh. and I and I will solve you cl- ch- climate change. But but for you, you know. W- what is your motivation in in, in in technology? What is the thing that keeps you going? Well,
1: it's interesting that you that you that you explain a little bit more about your background because that's that's the world I work with. And I must say in the Netherlands you have a bigger distinction between the politician and the people who make the policy. Oh, so cool. there is a little bit more continuously in the people who make the policy and they are, you know, less influenced by money streams or whatever. Um but basic line why i'm interested in technology in terms of the social good because i think that the government is there to assist in the end us as citizens and how can they use this technology boom to reach us better to make it make a better uh, democratic environment to Mm. open up policies open up uh, money streams and it sounds maybe a little bit like a um like something that's out there, but back home, I, I have already these conversations with local governments and like here in, in San Francisco, what they're doing with the Open Data SF, that's amazing, they opening, you know, they open all the data they have to access for social entrepreneurs or other auto- entrepreneurs to, you know, localize uh, communities that need help, or it's, it's really how these two systems can be integrated so that technology can be used as a tool to empower people everyone I think in a democratic process and specifically the people who are being born and who are already one step behind.
0: I think you're right. I think you are hundred percent right, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of if you want to make VR successful, if you want to make technology, you know, pro- progress and catapult humanity into the future, I think you have to uh, include all parties involved and, and, and yes. that that be and government. i it's, it's yeah. to
1: say this, but it's, it's also too easy to, to write them off as the bad guys. Yeah. Because even if that were true, and I doubt it, uh, you're, you need them. They make the decisions. They are going to you know, decide if, if we can, are we going to give Chris a million dollars or a billion dollars for climate change or not? So you need to include them in a dialogue and not, not to, also not to make it too complicated to enter. You know, it would be really interesting to see how can we make this tech world and this VR world as accessible as possible for people who are, you know, not that... Knowledgeable or not that skilled, or
0: don't just simply don't have the background. Yeah, we're all, yeah, I, you know, you're, you're right, we're all in this together. Uh, the the both us, the 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 people trying to do something, the people with the mouth to, that want people like you, uh, getting out there, and 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 the shitbags that we're all in this no, together.
1: You have this innovation office that, uh, from the San Francisco government that was installed by the mayor, true. Um, you know, have have invite them to the meetup and have them, you know, let their their imagination run wild. What we can do together, that
0: would be super awesome. That would. Thank you for the idea. I think I might uh, send an email soon. Um, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, for you and 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 so in social entrepreneurship, you know, what is what is your biggest challenge? Not you know, nowadays.
1: The biggest challenge uh, is the center of my company bringing these worlds together, and that's because the social world is is also a little bit afraid of technology, because there is this idea that it will uh, decrease human contact, and that it's weird to uh, you know change technology for labor that's been done by humans usually.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So the biggest challenge will be to really be able to find a good narrative and find good examples to show people that we can actually benefit from this and it doesn't decrease our social, you know, possibilities.
0: I think you're right, you know, and and, and, sorry if you're saying something, sorry. No, no, I
1: was
0: finished. You're right, I think uh, there is that, you know, especially in in that area, in uh, people who are doing social good, I think there is... I don't know if it's fear or ambivalence or 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 just the hesitation towards embracing technology. I come from uh I spent my teenage years working in the environmental movement. Um you know f- yeah, from 14 to 18 I was putting together global warming fair- fairs, putting together uh, environmental justice plays and and you know and I and I go back to that to that world and and I and I still feel like people are still thinking in the same mentality as in like grassroots grassroots movement uh which is great which is great but i think in my opinion that in the 21st century um you have to you have to embrace technology you have to use it as your tool because you are competing against people like the Koch brothers who have billions of dollars and lobbies and lawyers and fuck tons of money and 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 so what do what do we have what do the people have we have to, you know, we have numbers, but we need to have this. We need to use this tool called technology to our advantage. I think that's why the environmental movement, and I know people are gonna uh, hate on me for this, but I think the environmental movement, as we speak, is dead. And if we want to revitalize this movement, uh, to bring back, you know, true, true environmentalism and, and caring about the planet we live on, because it's not about the planet; it's really about humanity. You know, how do we sustain humanity? Uh, Definitely. Well, I think
1: that's an interesting point because. In terms of the movement, I don't even know, but I really understood your point. However, if you look at the technology that this is more hardware hard technology that's being developed for uh, the clean tech uh, movement, yeah. um, that it's amazing what they are doing right now. So, and what I really like about this movement, well, of course, of our all uh, uh, idol Elon Musk. Well, his goal is just to make the fastest, coolest car possible. Oh, yeah, and make it also electrical so that, you know, for him, it's just, it's not even a question anymore. It's not a moral value that he's trying to create. He's just trying to create something really cool for us to use. Yeah. Um, although I think it's really important to stress the, the moral uh, and the ethical uh, consequences of what he's doing, um, I
0: actually see a quite large
1: environmental movement that is embracing technology to sort of really develop stuff that's gonna you know make sure that we're not dying all in, in 70 years
0: I hope so. um
1: but then that's something different from the movement that, that's communicating itself so how can we use technology to express these these uh, standpoints that we have so that's. I think maybe it's two different things. I'm, I'm, I am i, I don't, I'm not sure if you agree. But I, I actually, am, I'm, pretty hopeful about the environmental movement. However, we need to, you know, speed up the process.
0: I agree. I, uh, you know, if if there's one thing that I, I, think that you, that you hit on is, is the clean energy thing that, that leaves, that that is inside my mind for a lot. I, mean, I think about, you know, what is, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna use? Uh, air, wind. Uh, same thing (laughs) um (laughs) uh geothermal wave power solar power you know we got this giant fucking volcano in yellowstone and i and i can't for the life of me think who wouldn't want to tap into that source of energy somehow Uh, uh. um in and, and so you know but but i but in in my mind, I feel like we're we're ha- we have this losing battle against oil and the petrol companies because they they are the puppet masters of the politicians who who make the laws that will make you know that make protesting against you know uh, keystone uh, illegal uh, i mean it, it it's happening i, I agree and, and just what you said i don't know if it's happening fast enough um but but you know what it is you know what's going to happen because humanity so reactionary we we were we're con- you know we're not you know i can't think of a time when when really humans were super proactive about something you know uh yeah. i you know global climate change will will make us react and it's going to be sad because some of us, uh, the crazy ones, saw it coming. Uh, and, and yet yeah. and yet the masses well, will have to realize when something bad happens.
1: What about, you know, how using CR for this just to create a sort of time loop to, uh, you know, fast forward 100 years and
0: see what happens if we don't, if we, st- if we still use oil. I like your style. <laughs> I like your style because you're right. You know, and education is a huge, huge thing. It's you're right. You know, I th- all, you think about all the things that we can solve in the world if we had proper tools of education, and you have right there the answer. It, VR could be a really good tool for education.
1: I think because also because it makes you experience stuff. It's very basic and very logical, but really don't underestimate the power of that. Mm-hmm. Writing, I I've been writing a lot in the newspaper paper back home about some 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 topics, and it's always really really hard to, to reach people with words. So, especially in this time and area, we, we, we need all the visual tools we can get to sort of envision a future world that we are wanting, you know, heading towards to. But you can also use this to envision what will happen if, if Shell well, keeps being the, the largest player in the market and if, if Elon Musk somehow doesn't is able to uh, create this whole electrical network in the world to, 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 to charge our cars, then perhaps that's an, a challenge you know let's let's have a hackathon environmental hackathon with for pr <laughs> i don't
0: know i know i'm down for that <laughs> i'm no definitely um you wow that was that was we're gonna leave it on that note i that is super positive i think that you know there's there's hope for the future um i'm so excited that you came on the show to uh to to, to bring your perspective because we need more pers- perspectives such as yours and and we and we definitely need more women involved in virtual reality for sure um thank you Chris. uh so so thank you for being such an awesome person uh, not just a woman but being awesome all around <laughs> <laughs> and, and and um yeah. How can people uh, stay in touch with you? How can people, uh, you know, so the call, so we're putting the call out. You know, if you're working on something good that does social good, virtual reality, get in contact with you.
1: Yes. Let's. And uh, you know, below your podcast, I saw there are all these addresses. I'll just add my Twitter account and my my email. Is that an idea, or should I should I just tell them?
0: Yeah, no, that we'll, we'll, we'll add your Twitter account in your in your email, and if you can say it really quick, that would be Yeah, so it's
1: renee, R-E-N-E-E, at societyimpact.nl. That's my email, and you can follow me on Twitter at RTLF. Those are my initials.
0: Awesome.
1: Thanks, Chris, for having me. It was such an awesome conversation.
0: Thank, Thank you, Renee. Have a good day.
1: Other. Okay,
0: bye-bye. Bye.